Thank you for listening to the Calvary Monterey podcast. Please visit calvary.com to learn more about our church. And visit nateholdridge.com for additional Bible teaching from our lead pastor, Nate Holdridge. Hey church, thanks so much for joining us today. And as many of you know, today, the first Sunday of 2022, is the Sunday that we call Missions Sunday, uh, where we highlight many of our missionaries. And this year, our pastors wanted to invite a special guest speaker to share with you. And I'm so proud and blessed to introduce to you Pastor Tommy Cota. Uh, Tommy pastors a church called Hope Alive Church in Santa Ana, California, and Tommy's testimony is beautiful. We've become friends over the last few years, but in the year 2000, Tommy gave his life to the Lord after a stint of over five years in the California prison system. He grew up in a rough neighborhood, and gave his life to that kind of life. They've even made a movie about his life and the life of a few other men who came out of a street life and into the ministry in a movie called The Neighborhood Film that you can check out at theneighborhood.com. But Tommy, after getting out of prison, uh, began uh, studying the word, going to a school of ministry at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, became an assistant pastor in 2004, and in 2014, launched out to start uh, his church. If you want to hear more about Tommy, I'd encourage you to come out to Regeneration this Monday night, tomorrow, uh, in order to hear him share the word with the group there, or tune into the Jesus Famous podcast in the coming weeks, because I'm going to interview Tommy and have him share his story in more detail with you. But you are in for a treat. It is a blessing. Let's prayerfully receive the word from today from Pastor Tommy Cota. Hey, good morning, Calvary Monterey. Happy New Year. Happy 2022. We're looking forward to what the Lord may have for us. I know that we are in our family. We're just praying, God, give us great vision. Give us favor. Would you go before us? And I hope and pray. I trust that you guys are all doing the same. And man, thank you so much for welcoming me here and my family um, for this uh, very, very first tu- uh, Tuesday, very first Sunday of the year here in 2022. So God bless you. And Pastor Nate, thank you so much for having me and trusting me to share the word um, with well, everyone here at Calvary Monterey. Well, um, my name is Tommy. I get to be the senior pastor of Hope Alive Church in the city of Santa Ana. And um, man, it's just, uh, it's, it's just, been amazing what the Lord has been been doing. There's been a lot of ups, a lot of downs, um, just like our you know our life as Christians. You know it's uh, it's not always easy. It is a battle, but thank God He gives us the victory. And I'm going to share a little bit about what the Lord's been doing at Hope Life Church and through us at um, here in the city of Santa Ana. So, um, if you guys have your Bibles this morning, I'm going to be Uh, Speaking out of the Gospel of Mark in chapter number five. You know, um, and as you guys are turning there, I just want to, you know, just say that uh, how, how amazing it is just to see how the Lord has been so gracious to all of us during these past couple of years uh, with this whole COVID and, and everything. And I'm just so happy and blessed that, you know, the Lord has raised up faithful uh, men and women at our church and has gifted them to actually be, 
be doing these kinds of things like streaming and all that stuff. So we're grateful. And I know that um, that God is being honored in, in it all because I just think it's really neat that we get to stream and all this other stuff and just flood the internet waves with, uh, with the gospel message. Amen. Let me pray. Father, Lord, today, this morning, we're grateful for this very first Sunday of 2022. And we pray, God, that you would speak to us. We pray, Father, that our hearts would be humbled and that our hearts would be thirsty for what it is that you have. And Lord, we, I pray that you would help us to stay Lord, faithful to the call that you've given to all of us. And Lord, that number one thing is just to be a faithful witness for you. And so God, would you stir us up this morning, God. Encourage us, speak to us in a miraculous way. We thank you and we, th and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. The Gospel of Mark in chapter number five is where we're going to be at. We're going to be talking about the, the, uh, this young man that was demon-possessed. I like to call him the other cider. But before we get into that, you know, I just want to talk a little bit about, you know, just myself so that you guys kind of understand where I'm coming from. You know, uh, being a Christian in my family is a very new thing. In the sense, what I mean is that when I got saved, it was new, not just for me, but it was new for my entire family and also for my wife's family. And, you know, because we didn't grow up in a Christian home. We didn't grow up in a, where we read the Bible or anything like that. That we, I guess you can say we might have been religious. I don't even know if that even counts. Um, because if someone were to ask me when I was a youngster, um, hey, you know, our, what, what faith are you or something like that, I probably would have said I was Catholic. And if they would have asked me, well, why are you Catholic? I probably would have told them because I'm Mexican, you know. Um, and again, it was just... I didn't understand. I had, we, we had no relationship with God. We didn't um, have any of that uh, raise, being raised up in any of that. So um, that would have been my answer. And so when I got saved, it was, a, it was new. It was, a, it was really um, like a revival that had taken place in, in our own immediate family. And, you know, when I think of this new life that God has given to me and my wife and how God has restored my marriage and, you know, he's just, you know, set me free from, from the bondage of addiction and a life of crime and everything. Um, it truly is a new life. And that's what Christian life really is. It's, it's about a, it's about new, <laughs> everything new. Jesus, think of this, guys. You know, we, we read this in the Bible that Jesus puts a, a new song in our heart. He gives us a renewed mind, right? And so our thoughts, they are different. A new life, a new creation. That's what the Bible says, you know, who we are. And, and, and with this kind of newness, I, for me personally, when I, just this kind of newness, there was a sense of value that, that, I, that I had from God. Like God valued me. And I got to tell you, man, when I first got saved and I heard the gospel message, that was the one thing that really resonated with me was that um, I was valued by God because I never really understood or I never felt like I was going to be or was valued in my life, you know, until, until I got saved and I understood the gospel message. And this is what the gospel message does. This gives us, 
you know, it, this newness, a, a, new, a new heart, a, a, a new purpose, new goals, right? And, and just with this new life that God gives to us, that's what the gospel does. And the overall goal, I think, for all of us as Christians, the overall goal with this new life that God gives to us is really, it's very simple. It's to go and make much of Jesus. Go and make much of Jesus where, wherever it is that you're at. And that's the title here this, of this morning's message is Make Much of Jesus. Now, I'm sure that, and I trust that most of us here, we understand this um, because we know what the Great Commission says in, in the Gospel of Matthew in ch- at the last chapter, chapter 28, when Jesus says, you know, to go and make disciples, you know, and to baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We understand that to be the Great Commission, God's command for us to go and make much of Jesus. And this is something that excites me, and I hope and pray that it excites you as well. You know, when we look at the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, of our Lord and Savior, right? When you look and study his ministry in the Gospels, you will see that he touched a lot of people. He touched so many different lives, right? From different kinds of backgrounds. He touched young and old, men and women, rich and poor, the educated and the crazy, respected people and the marginalized people. And we can go on and on. And, and see, what I'm trying to get at is that there was no limit to who God would reach out and touch. And today, as we look at this story in particular in the Gospel of Mark, I pray that we would really, that all of us would draw some application of encouragement for all of us to go and make much of Jesus especially in our immediate context, whether it be with our, our family, our neighbors, the, the apartment complex that you live in, your community, your neighborhood, your hood, you know, wherever it is that you're at, that we would make much of Jesus. Amen? Let me read right here, chapter number five. I'm gonna read through the first 13 verses. This is an amazing, I'm sure many of you know this story here, and this is what it says. I'm reading from the ESV translation. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the, of the garrisons. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often bound, he was often bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to, sub, to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him and crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out, to the, out of the country. Now, a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission. 
And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and downward into the sea. So there's going to be a few things that I really want to focus on here this morning with everybody. And number one is this, going to the other side to make much of Jesus. Going to the other side. Now, what's interesting here, and many of you know this, and you might be familiar with the story of Jesus telling the disciples, let's go to the other side. As a matter of fact, that's how chapter 4 of the Gospel of Mark ends with Jesus sending or or really telling the the disciples, hey, we're going to go on a mission. We're going to the other side. There's a goal that they have, right? And some of you might remember the story where, you know, as they're there in the middle of this Sea of Galilee, that the waves and the wind and everything started crashing and they started freaking out like, man, Jesus, we're going to die. Don't you even care? And, and we're told in the Gospel of Mark that Jesus is asleep on a pillow, like he's on a cushion. He's knocked out on his tempur you know what I'm saying? And he's just asleep, not re- being bothered by the storm. And what woke Jesus up was the cry of his disciples, like, Lord, don't you care? We're going to perish. We're going to die. And, and Jesus gets up, and we know the story. He rebukes the wind and the seas, and everything was calm and peace. And the disciples freaked out. They're like, man, who can this guy be? And, and Jesus turns, and he says, hey, man, what's wrong, man? Do you still, are you still lacking faith? Like, why don't you have any faith? You see, I think in the storms of life, guys, and we know, we all, again, we know this, I'm sure. And I just, in the storms of life, man, we, 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 there's lessons we learn, there's lessons, and I hope and pray that whatever those lessons might be, that we learn them quick. And to be honest with you, as, you know, for me, as being a, you know, a pastor of a church, leading you know, Hope Alive Church the best that I can here in the city of Santa Ana, there's storms. But I'm not, I don't go through storms just because I'm a pastor. I go through storms, you know, seasons of life because I'm a Christian. There's testings and there's trials, just like how you have. You don't have to be a pastor or a, or a ministry leader to go through storms. And, and I'm sure some of you can say amen because you understand that. But it's in those storms where the lessons of faith that we can get, and, and I hope and pray that whatever those lessons are, that we learn them quickly so that, we, so that our faith may be strengthened. You see, our life as Christians should be living examples of a life on mission. Our life as Christians should be that living example of, you know, Mike, I have a goal, an ultimate goal, and that's really to make much of Jesus, and a goal to, to bring, to glorify the Lord in all that I do. And the purpose is that people may come to know Jesus. For Think of it this, that the purpose is for kingdom building. We want to see people get saved. And all around the world, yes, but also in our local context. See, that's what God has called us to do. And here in this story, we see that it's not easy, first of all, for them to get over to the other side. It wasn't easy. There was a storm. And there were lessons there to build faith. You know, one of the greatest lessons I always try to remember, especially from this kind of this context, this, this, this Bible passage here, even towards the end of chapter, uh, the end of chapter number four, is that, you know, God sends us places. God puts things in our hearts and it's not always going to be easy, but I have to remember Jesus is in the boat of my life. 
He's in the boat of my life. And if Jesus is in the boat of my life, if Jesus is in my life, it's going to be all right. It may not be easy, but it's going to be all right. You see, nowhere in the Bible does does God tell us that life is going to be easy when you get saved. Trust me, I've been looking for that Bible verse, you know, so I can name it and claim it, right? There's nowhere in the Bible does, does the Bible tell us that life is going to be easy. But you know, this is what I have learned. That life may not be easy as a Christian, but life is better as a Christian. Because Jesus is in the boat of my life. He's not going to let me go. The Bible says if we're in the palm of his hand, no one can take us out. Because he is there and he's got a plan. And this plan here in particular was for Jesus to get to the other side. And it was on the other side here where Jesus has this encounter with this young guy who's controlled by demons. I like to, I, we don't know the name of this other guy. I, I really can't wait to get to heaven to meet him. You know, he was, he's probably a trip, you know. But I, I just call this guy, he's, well, he's, I refer to him as the other sider. He's on the other side of things. And here, this other sider, this young man, he's controlled by demons. And you know, demon, demonic activity, demons have a goal. They do. Satan and the devil and his demons, they have, a, they have a goal to control and destroy man who's created in the image of God. You know, Jesus has a goal. And his goal is to free people from the grip of the devil and to give life. I can't help but think of the Gospel of John in chapter number 10 and verse number 10 where, where Jesus says, that he talks about the thief who, who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And then Jesus says, but I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. Man, I love that part. He says, Jesus, I'm not here just to give you life, but life more abundantly, like life and some. Right, eternal, and I think of this as eternal life, eternal life, life forevermore. And in this context here, in chapter number five, as Jesus gets over to this other side, we find that this guy, you know, he's he's cutting himself. No one can control him. He's out of control. And what does Jesus do? He demonstrates control, control over these demonic beings, these demonic spirits and because again you got to think of this was a destructive man he was a menace to society man you know and and people were afraid of him and and he he had to be you know chained up and and he was cutting himself you know just crazy and I know that there might be times and and everything where we might see people in our local communities and our in our own society and our own backyards if you will and, and we see them and they're just crazy you know they're just like you know, walking around like, like zombies. You know, here in the city of Santa Ana, man, there's a, a, there's a large homeless community. And within this community, there's, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of drug addiction and alcoholism, and, but a lot of mental uh, illness. And, and I think it's in, in that kind of environment, man, the, the Satan and his demons just, they, they have a field day, you know, of just destroying people's lives. You know, just the other day, you know, this it's crazy. You know, right? I live, I live here in Santa, in Santa Ana, and um, 
just the other day, I was, you know, forget where I was going, but I was at a stoplight. It was probably about one o'clock in the afternoon. The sun was out. And, and I just turn over to my, over my shoulder on the left side. And I see this man, you know, he had, he had zero clothes, no clothes on zero clothes. And he's just, he comes out of these bushes and he runs into the middle of the intersection, you know, and he's just turning around like in, and going in circles and people are honking their horns and they're yelling at him and everything, you know, and just, and, you know, at first I'm be honest with you, I was shocked. Like, oh man, what the heck is going on here? Right. But as I drove past and we called, you know, I did have, uh, so I called the police, make sure, hey, you know, someone's going to get hurt, you know, let them know what was going on. But I pulled over it and, um, man, I was just, I was sad. Like, man, I'm, I'm sad for this guy. You know, he's obviously out of his mind or, you know, just in drug addiction and, and you know, no normal person would want to do this. There's something going on. And I just, you know, I felt sad. I felt bad for this guy. And I just prayed, like, you know, Lord, would you deliver him? And my mind came to this passage right here. Like, Lord, you've done things where you've delivered people that were crazy, that society didn't want, that society wanted to, to throw away. And you have done miraculous things. And, Lord, would you touch this man? You know, and, and so, um, and, and I think of, you know, I was thinking of this this particular passage when I was, actually there at that intersection this this guy this this other cider this young man who was demon possessed and Jesus is demonstrating his control you see right there at verse number eight he says for he was saying to him Jesus says come out of the man you unclean spirit and so Jesus is demonstrating his control his authority over these dark evil spirits jesus never flinched but he revealed his power over evil and revealed his compassion for this other cider you see jesus didn't have to do that see remember there was a mission there was a goal that jesus had to get over to that other side to minister to this young man this demon possessed man and I think this is a great reminder for all of us never to give up on someone that is like on the other side. Don't ever give up. You know, in my life, uh, before I had gotten saved, uh, people that, you know, my, fam my own family, I would say, you know, just I don't, I'm not throwing them under the bus. They know this. I've shared this with them before because um, God has done a miraculous thing in my whole entire family. But there was a point in my life where my own family would tell my, my wife for, for her to leave me. See, my wife had gotten saved and, and she was trusting the Lord. But my life, for me, my, my, I was, uh, I was in, in and out of prison. I was heavy on drugs. I was living a life of crime. And there was no, there was no, um, no thought of my life being changed or anything like that. There just wasn't, not even for me, you know. And so my own family would say, you know what, Miha, you got to leave my son because he's never going to change. You deserve better and, and everything. You know, I would say that they pretty much gave up. They gave up hope. Like, hey, only... You know, and I'm sure they said, oh, only God can do something. But for them, that was going to be a miracle. And we never really experienced a miracle in our lives. And so it was, like I said, it, was, it would have been something new uh, and fresh. And I'm so grateful that God has done those things. You know, and, and my wife, I'll never, you know, this is part of her testimony when she shares it is that, 
you know, she turned to my family members that were telling her this, and, and she said that the Lord had given her um, a word to, to pray for me and not to give up on me, but to believe that God was going to change my life. When I was at my worst, guys, I was at my worst. You know, I was, I was not a good husband. And, and I say this shamefully. I was not a good husband. I was unfaithful. I was not a good father. I wasn't even there. I was very selfish. You know, it was all about me. I didn't care about anything else but really what was going on in my life and what I wanted and how I wanted it. And I didn't want to, you know, I, I didn't want responsibility. And while my, the, the, my parole agent and the police, the local police, they were, you know, they were looking, they had a, they were looking for me. I was on the run. Uh, and um, what had happened is that uh, the house where, where we were living at uh, was raided because uh, they, they knew that I was there. So they came and raided the house to, you know, for, for me, it was a parolee raid and, and they arrested me and my whole family was there. And, um, you know, it was, uh, you know, and again, I was just hardened in my heart, you know, I was like, ah, whatever, man, let's just get out of here. And, and as we were beginning to drive away, <clears throat> my hands were handcuffed behind me. And, and I remember I looked over to my right shoulder and the big, we had a big window in the front room right there. And, and I remember seeing my daughter, uh, my daughter, Isabella. And, uh, you know, that had an impact on me where I, I just can't explain it, where it's like, man, I just, I wanted to change, but I didn't know how. And I remember there was a series of circumstances that had taken place when I was in the jail and I was ready, you know, my parole agent was going to send me back to prison. And my wife had a conversation with the parole agent and Basically, she talked him into giving me an opportunity and a chance to actually do a, a program rather than going back into prison. And he couldn't understand why she was even wanting to stay married with me and, and, and everything. And she, you know, he couldn't even understand that. But it was, that was the Lord putting that on her heart. And um, she continued to pray. And well, uh, what happened was I, I agreed to do the program rather than going to prison. And the day before, um, you know, that's so right after that, I got released out of prison. And the day before I was supposed to report into this program, uh, I went to church with my wife. And um, I went to church. I was high. Um, the only reason why I went to church, because I knew that my wife was mad. And uh, it was a little tiny, small church that we went to. And we get there, and, and uh, I re all I remember... All I, what I wanted to do was for this church service to be over with because I wanted to go and drink a 40-ouncer, you know. And, um, but I remember listening to the gospel message to the preacher. And, and for the very first time in my life, I began to understand the measure of God's love. And, I, and there were so many things that was going on in my life that I was holding on to from my childhood you know, up, you know, even through not only my childhood, but just I was lost, man. And I was hurting on the inside. And I'll never forget one of the things that I really struggled with was that if God did love people, he probably wouldn't love me because of the things that I've done. And at the moment that I thought that on that Sunday morning when I was there, June 11th in the year 2000, that in the moment I thought that, the preacher said, it, she, she said that it doesn't matter what you've done in life. God still, his love is bigger than all those things. And that gripped me. 
And and next thing I know, there I am. <laughs> I'm asking the Lord to forgive me of my sins. The gospel message was very real to me, and my life was immediately transformed. And and like God had restored my marriage, God had restored my relationship with my family, with my parents, with my brothers and sisters. And immediately right after that, God was just doing like this little mini revival within my family and my parents, you know, just getting saved and baptized, going to church, getting involved at church. And they still are to this day. You know, my, my dad and I, we had a weird, crazy, unhealthy relationship, you know, um, growing up. And uh, to the point where there would be not just arguments, but fights physically. And, um, and I can say that today my dad is... You know, he's uh, one of my best friends, and my dad trip out on this. My dad is a chaplain as well, you know, of a hospice company. And so just, the, and see, in my mind right now, it's just like God restoring things all because my wife didn't give up. She didn't, you know, just, uh, he's never going to change, let me move on. No, she stood faithful. And I want to encourage you to stay faithful because God is able to change people's lives. And again, as we think of this passage here, this is a great reminder that that, that God can reach, that God desires to reach over to the other side. Because there's people over there that God wants to touch and minister to. And he wants to restore and, 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 you know, make new. These are the things of God. Now listen, here in chapter 5, look at verse number 14 now. Verse 14 says, The herdsmen fled and, and told it in the city and all the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to, and it came to pass, excuse me, they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had, had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. So here's this, this, this young man, the other sider, you know, the ones that everyone was freaked out about. Now he's just sitting there calm and chill. You know, he's in his right mind, and people are afraid. They're, being, they're freaked out. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. This is sad. This, this part right here. You know, because here's a, a man whose life was transformed. It's supernatural work. And it was a work of God. And everyone's like, hey, can you tell Jesus to get out? Because we value these things more than what we value a life. And at this right here, this is a reminder, a great reminder to make much of Jesus even when we don't feel like it, even when we're hard-pressed. Here we see the transformative work of Jesus, and yet Jesus was being pushed out. People, it seems as if people in this area, they, they valued their business and their money even more than what they valued a person's life, and like, like this you know, Jesus doing a miracle. That's what they valued more. Who cares about a person's life changing? Who cares about that? You know, I need to make money. I need to get my status, you know, and, and I don't want to do these things, you know, seek the Lord. Let's get him out of here. Friends, you know, I got to tell you, man, you know, the spiritual battle, and we all know this, I'm sure the spiritual battle is very real. There may be times when you're tempted to push Jesus to the side. 
You know, it's a temptation. Now, I need to push Jesus to the side because, man, it's going to, you know, he may, like, put a, you know, threaten my, my, my influence here. Yeah, I need to push Jesus to the side because he may threaten my social or my professional kind of status. And so, you know, I'm only going to do, you know, the Jesus thing on Sunday, but every other day of the week, I got to do this. You know, it's unfortunate that I, I, I get to, I know a lot of people like that, that come to church every Sunday. They're there faithful, singing songs, lifting their hands. But then when they go out into their professional life or in their social life, there's, Jesus is not to be seen. And the reason why I say I know this is because I got Instagram too. <laughs> you know, I got Instagram too and Facebook and all these other social media platforms. And I was like, oh man, that, you know, that brother was at church the other day. She was at church just, you know, last night. And it's just like, it's like they put Jesus, they compartmentalize their faith. That, you know, oh, my faith is only for Sunday or this or that because if I bring my faith outside of the walls of the church, it's going to threaten my, my social status. It's going to threaten my professional status. It's going to, you know, rob me of making more money. And, and you see, and that's the thing, guys, is like there's a temptation sometimes for, for, you know, just to value the things of this world more than to value the things of God, the things of eternity, and that's, that's a real battle. That's a real challenge. I'm sure that from, for, some, for all of us, if we're going to be honest, man, that we've all dealt with that some way, somehow. May we push past that. May you and I push past that and say, you know what? I don't even care. I want to make much of Jesus. If it means it's going to cost me financially, oh, well. If it's going to cost me my, some of my social circles that I might be in, well, oh, well. I got to make much of Jesus. Why? Because I belong to him. We belong to Jesus. He's the one who died on the cross. This is my most reasonable service that I can do is to lay my life down. The Apostle Paul, that's what he says in the Romans chapter 12, right? You know, my reasonable service is to lay my life down, you know, for, for the cause of Christ. I want to make much of Jesus, and that temptation to do so, I want you to know that temptation comes from the devil. If you're tempted with something like that, that comes from the devil. And these, these are people, they, they saw the miracle. They know the crazy guy, you know, here. And they see him. They, actually, they saw this, this, this miracle was tangible for them, but they didn't care. They wanted Jesus out rather than wanting Jesus in. You know, and, and again, this is it's a sad thing because it does happen, you know, from time to time. I've, I've talked to people again, like I said, I've I've talked to people where they said, you know, I don't want, you know, if we could start going to church, my, my husband might change his life. And, and, you know, then we won't be doing the things that we used to do or that we're used to doing, you know, or if my wife goes to church and she gets saved and she's not going to want to go out to the party and the clubs with me and all this other stuff. So we it's like, wait a minute, you, you rather. You, you rather just have the party life and all this other stuff rather than having the promise of a, of a new life and eternal life? And the reality is, man, there's a lot of people that make that kind of decision. You might, be some, you might know some people like that. That might have been you at one point. Or perhaps might, that might even be you right now. You know, and you're wrestling with this whole thing. I want to encourage you, man, if, that is what, if that's who you are right now, man, let it go. All this stuff, this is all temporal. 
you know, let it go and, and, be, and just and make and let Jesus come into your life and make much of Jesus because Jesus has eternal life. He has a new life. And again, it's not a promise of an easier life, but it is a promise of a better life. Amen. Amen. Indeed it is. And last and third point here, the other cider was commissioned to go and make much of Jesus. Check this out. This is like my favorite part of the, of the passage right here in chapter five, verse 18 says, as he was getting, as he was getting into the boat, Jesus, okay, as he's stepping into the boat to go back, right? As he's getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, this is what Jesus says. Jesus says, no, I don't want you to go with me, but I want you to go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. See, I, I, what I love about this is like this guy, this, this new life, this desire that he has, this, this, this desire that he has is because the new life that he has because of Jesus. He has a new song in his heart. His mind has been renewed, right? He's got a new life and a new desire, and this desire brings him to want to follow Jesus. I just want to follow you, Jesus. Wherever you go, I want to go. And this really speaks to me of his, of his hunger, of just wanting to be close to the Lord. And I love here what Jesus does because he gives him direction for his desire. Jesus sees and understands what's going on in his life, but then Jesus gives him the direction. Hey, I, I understand this, but I, what I want you to do, see, in other words, really what Jesus is doing is giving him a mission. He's giving him a commission, a goal. What I want you, I want you to go home. I want you to go to your neighborhood. I want you to go back into your hood, your family, your community. And I want you to tell everybody how much Jesus, how much God has done for you. I want you to go. In other words, I want you to go and make much of Jesus. He gave him that direction. His renewed purpose was to make much of Jesus in his local context. And that's what Jesus is saying. I want you to go and make much there in your local context, within your family. I want you to be a living example there where you're at. And as he went out and made much of Jesus, the Lord blessed it. He blessed it. It says right here, he proclaimed how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. Everyone was tripping out. Obviously, they were probably tripping out because they were like trying to put the two and two together. Hey, isn't that, you know, crazy Joe from down the street? Yeah, that's crazy Joe, but he ain't crazy no more. <laughs> you know, he, he's got, he's in his right mind. You know, he loves the Lord and here he is preaching. And I'm, I can only imagine how many people came to faith in Christ because of his faithfulness and the hand of God being upon him. That's what he did. He went out and made much of Jesus. And whatever the context, and I think what I like about this whole passage here, guys, and again, just in way of application and encouragement for all of us, our context. Think, remember what Jesus, remember the grace of God upon your life. Maybe you weren't as crazy as this guy here, as this, other, as this guy, but we were all at one point an other cider. 
We were on the other side of things, walking in darkness, living in darkness, and think back about the grace of God when the grace of God came upon you and God ministered to you and brought you to a place of clarity and understanding of how important it is to say yes to Jesus and have the promise of eternal life. And as we remember these things, I pray that there becomes a purpose in your heart. A purpose in your heart, like, like more, than, more than yesteryear, right? A purpose in our hearts here in 2022 to go and make much of Jesus. Because when we're doing this and, and we have this sincere desire to say, man, all that, it doesn't matter when I go to work and where I'm over here, with, when I'm with my family, when I'm at the supermarket, when I'm in, you know, just the homeless community, wherever it is, and you're in, here in Monterey Bay somewhere. Wherever it is, like, man, I want to go make much of Jesus today. I want you to know that when we have that desire, we have that purpose, I truly believe, man, the power of God, God's Holy Spirit goes before us and makes a way and gives us that opportunity so that we might make much of Jesus in everything that we do. It's a supernatural work of his spirit doing the amazing things that brings people to marvel, right? It brings people to trip like, wow, what is happening here? And it doesn't have to be this big, giant, grand thing. You know what I mean? It can just, it's just like a one-on-one -on -one thing at a coffee shop. Man, I love it. Over here at the coffee shop down the street where I go to, the lady that's uh, always there, the barista, she's, um, you know, she tells me that, oh, I'm not a religious person, but I used to go to a Jehovah Witness. And, you know, and I just, for weeks now, all I do is just kind of share with her little by little, you know, and let her ask me questions. And, and this past uh, Monday, I was there, and, and uh, she just started asking me more questions about the Bible and about faith and what, what is the difference between, you know, Christian faith and Jehovah Witness faith. And I was just talking to her about relationship. Like, you know what? It's, about, it's not about rules and regulations. It's all about just having a relationship with Jesus. And, man, she was, like, she was fascinated, you know, until the line got long, and then we had, she had to go back to work. But... You know, it's just having that opportunity, guys. And that's just sure that that's just one example. But I hope and pray that you too can say, you know what? There's examples like that where I can be missional here in my community, here in Monterey Bay or locally around in this, in this region where you're at. That you can say, I'm going to make much of Jesus because people are waiting. People are waiting to hear the truth. Not only are they waiting to hear the truth, they're waiting to see the truth. And remember... At one point, we were all an other cider. Again, maybe not as crazy. Maybe some of you were. I don't know. But here's the thing, is that when we say yes to Jesus, God gives us this, this commission to go, hey, go and share the things the Lord has done. Go and share your testimony. Don't ever think that your testimony isn't powerful. It is because it's about Jesus. Amen? So in this year of 2022, I hope and pray that we all keep a fresh memory of God's grace, of what he has done, and that we would seek to make much of Christ, not just in our words, but also by being a living example of God's grace. Amen? Father, God, thank you for your loving kindness, your grace, and your mercy. And I pray, God, that you would minister to us and bring us to a place, Father, where 
we are humbled and broken and where we have this desire to say, I, I want to go out and make much of Jesus wherever it is and however it may look like. Lord, that you would be glorified. Give us this new vision and, and, and purpose in our hearts and remind us, Lord, of your goodness and your grace in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you and thank you so much, Calvary Chapel, Monterey, and Pastor Nate. Thank you so much for letting me do this and, and be here with you guys. And I'm looking forward to fellowshipping with the body of Christ later today. God bless. Thank you for listening. If you would like more teachings and information about Calvary Monterey, please visit calvary.com. You can also find books, teachings through the Bible, and articles from our lead pastor at nateholdridge.com. Thanks again for tuning in. See you next week.